Matthew chapter 5, verse 2. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the one we're going to look at today. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who are before you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for, uh, for suffering for us. Thank you, God, for, for bearing our, our sin and our guilt and our iniquity, our failures. God, thank you for giving us life. And Lord, I pray that you would enable us today to see that you are so valuable, you are so glorious, that you're worth any kind of sacrifice that we might have to make. And Father, in fact, it's not a sacrifice because you always give more to us than than we sacrifice for you. And so, Father, we trust that today. We pray that you would make us bold in the gospel, make us bold in in living out our faith and in saying with our mouths and our lives that Jesus is the only way. Father, I pray it in, in your name. I ask for your help by the power of the Spirit. Amen. Well, I have uh, thoroughly enjoyed this uh, time in the Beatitudes. I think we've been eight or nine weeks or so in the Beatitudes, and it's really been a, an impactful thing on my life, uh, just just re- kind of renewing my own commitment to meekness and to uh, purity of heart and to being merciful and being a peacemaker, and all those things are really just core what it means to live out the Christian faith. But I have to have to admit, I was, I was, I was taken aback last night. Last night was a shock to me. Um, I was reading, I was thinking about... Uh, what it means that we are blessed. We are, we are, ha- we are the happy, we're the fortunate, you know, because we, 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 we are poor in spirit and mourn and peacemakers and, 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 and meek and, and then the persecuted and the reviled and the slandered. And as I thought about that, you know, that, that we are the blessed that Jesus is saying, look, when all these things happen, when you face all these situations, when you have to give of yourself and sacrifice of yourself and, and turn the other cheek and be meek and be merciful. Man, when I thought about that, that we are the blessed because of all those things, this disturbing thought came to my mind, just shocked me. I emailed, I texted my wife real quick and she's in Oklahoma City. And I, I said, honey, man, my world is rocked all of a sudden because... Because I just realized if Jesus is, is, is speaking truth here, and I believe he is, okay, that means that there is no more room in my life for things like self-pity. No more room for that. That's not as stunning to you, is it, as it was to me. But I just thought I can't feel sorry for myself anymore. I mean, do you guys get the ramifications of that? If Jesus says we're blessed, you know what's going to... We've all got to turn our victim card in at the door when we go out. Shelby and Fred are going to be there. They have their hands out. And you've got to turn your victim card in. You can't play it anymore, okay? You, you can't play the victim. You can't play poor, poor, pitiful me. That great, classic country western song, we can't sing it anymore. We, we can't whine. What a, whining is an American sport. What are we going to do if we can't whine? We can't grumble. You know, what are we going to do if we can't complain? I mean, what does this mean that Jesus says, look, you are blessed 
You're blessed. Oh, but Jesus, you know, I had to do this for my church. You're blessed. Oh, but Jesus, you know, I, I, I had to sacrifice. And then this way my wife treated me. And, you know, I, I had to be strong anyway. You're blessed. Oh, but Jesus, people talk about it. You're blessed. But Jesus, people, people, people did this. You're blessed. I mean, you know what this is going to do? Here, here's the thing that really disturbed me. We, we lose all of our martyr points this morning. They're all gone, okay? That's really, that's upsetting to me, especially because Emma, Emma and the two big girls left. So I had the little kids all weekend. I had to do hair this morning. We were late getting in here. The worship team beat me here. And I had to, had to figure out hair, you know, trying to do the hair and all. You know, it's horrible, you know. And, and I, my martyr points were just, tick, 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 tick. they were just going up high. I was ahead of Emma by 173 points. And now because of Jesus, I've lost them all. They're gone. You know why? Because he says, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be able to do that. Isn't that great? No more self-pity. Yeah, I mean, really, you can't. You can't do it. You can't genuinely sing poor, poor, pitiful. You can't do that. Because Jesus said, man, if you're joined to me, and if you belong to me, and if my riches are dumped into your account, and if you have an eternal heaven coming for you that I prepared that is out of this world better than you can imagine, then there's no more feeling sorry for ourselves. It's kind of restrictive, really, when you think about it. I almost get claustrophobic talking about it because, you know, what Jesus is saying is that we're just boxed in. We're boxed in. The, the only way that we can live is just joyful, thankful, and hopeful people. That, that's all. That's all we got, you know? I mean, we, we can't be like the rest of the world. We can't bubble over with bitterness for a while and wallow in self-pity for a week or two. Be perpetually angry. That's going to bother some of you, you know. Habitually worried. We can't do that anymore. We can't be constantly stressed and despairing and grumbling and a manic malcontent. None of those are options for us because Jesus says, you are blessed. You're blessed. What an incredible truth, man. I'm telling you, that. That's worth your, that was worth your admission price this morning. Just that right there, okay? I know you got him free. That's what I'm saying. So, Isn't that cool? Jesus says we are blessed on a level that no matter the outward circumstances of our life cannot take away our blessing. We are the fortunate ones. No matter what, we're fortunate. Okay? Now, this last beatitude, it's, it's probably the most difficult of all. So get ready today. You know, the others have dealt with uh, our posture toward God. You know, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. That's a posture issue. That's, that's me being needy before God. Me staying in a position where I say, God, I'm a, I'm a beggar. I, I need from you. God, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. Blessed are those who mourn. You know, those who, who mourn over their sin, who are broken over their sin, who come to God and say, God, you know, I need you to comfort me in the hard things of life. And your comfort is going to be better to me than the difficulties that I have to endure. And then a lot of them are, are character traits. Things like, you know, blessed are the pure in heart and, and the peacemaker. You know, those who, who give righteousness into a situation. And by the way, man, some of you listened last week. I, I, I talked to a, a, several people this week who were peacemakers at their workplace. You know, they had this conflict going on at their workplace and they came in there with righteousness, brought everybody together, brought everybody looking at the, in the right direction. You know, blessed are those who are meek and, and those who let things roll off of them and on to God. But today, we're really not talking about a posture toward God. We're not so much talking about a character trait. We're really talking about things that happen to you as you're living out the rest of that stuff. Okay? Really hard 
hard things that happen to you. You know, Jesus says, blessed are you when you are persecuted. That's a word that has connotations of being pursued, chased down, relentlessly pressed. There's lots of instances of persecution of Christians in the Bible. Everything from having your property taken to physically being beaten all the way to death. Verse 11 talks about being reviled. Have you ever been reviled before? That's when someone, someone basically verbally abuses you, okay? They, 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 they shout you down, they rail at you, they curse you, they, um, they chew you out, uh, they mock you, they belittle you, they insult you. You know, it's just a, a reviling is a verbal, uh, just, just, just they, they whip you verbally, okay? Uh, then, then he goes on in verse 11 even, even more and says, And when they utter all kinds of evil against you falsely, okay? This is slander. This is when someone says you're something that you aren't. Or they say you, you do things or you did things that you didn't do. So they're, they're tearing down your character. They're running you through the mud. They're, 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 they're portraying you in, in, a, in a wicked or an evil light. And Jesus comes back and says, blessed are you when those things happen, those hurtful, painful, difficult things. When they happen to you, he says, you're blessed if they happen to you on account of the gospel, for the gospel, for Jesus. Now, listen, you're not blessed if, if those things happen to you because you, of your own sin. OK, first uh, Peter, chapter two, verse 20 says, for what credit is it if when you sin, you're beaten for it and you endure. But when you do good and suffer for it and you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. And so in other words, if you commit adultery and, and you get the tar beat out of you, okay, don't think you're blessed, all right? Don't claim this verse. Well, blessed are they when they persecute. No, you're not being persecuted. You know, that's a whole different deal, okay? Or if you're a salesman and you know that your product doesn't work in this person's, uh, their company or their shop and you sell it to them anyway just to make a profit and you get a call and they revile you. Okay. Don't, don't claim this verse. Don't think blessed is am I cause I've gotten reviled. No, that's because of your own sin, you know, or if you're rude to people and you're obnoxious and you're arrogant and you, you know, and then people start saying bad things about you. Don't, don't think that this verse is talking about you. This verse is talking about when those difficult things happen in your life because of your connection to Jesus Christ, because of your relationship with Jesus and because you're living out the gospel. Now, now listen, the Bible doesn't really give us an if those things happen. You know what the Bible gives us? A when those things happen. You know, it's really interesting. Second Timothy chapter uh, three, verse 12 says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Did you hear that? All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now I know that, 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 the way that that persecution comes is going to vary depending on whether you live in first century Rome or communist China or present day Indonesia, uh, Muslim Indonesia, or, or possibly another place in the world. Okay, there's going to be different degrees. It's going to happen in different ways. But the point Jesus is making is when you live out the gospel, that's going to have certain ramifications upon you and in your life. First Thessalonians chapter 3. This is what Paul says. He says that no one may be moved, that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. Paul says this is your destiny as a believer. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it, as it has come to pass and just as you know. Okay, this is not a maybe thing. This is a yes, it's going to happen thing. And so the question that I want to try to answer for you uh, next is this question. Why would anybody, why would anybody have a problem with you living out the gospel of Jesus Christ? Okay? Whether you live in Indonesia, whether you live in Woodard, Oklahoma, whether you live in, in San Francisco, California, whether you, wherever you live in the world, why, why would anybody, or whatever time you've lived in the world, why would anybody 
Why would, why would they be hostile to you simply because you're living out the gospel? Because you're saying, you know, I, I'm joined to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is my Savior. He's my King. I follow His Word. I, I obey Him. I live for Him. I'm on mission for Him. Why would that bother anybody? Why wouldn't that just be like, hey, you know, you like Italian food. I like Mexican food. You know, hey, we, we got disagreement. Yeah, hey, that's okay. You, you keep eating your spaghetti and I'll keep eating my chips and salsa, you know. I mean, why wouldn't it just be like that? You got your opinion. I got my opinion. You like Jesus. I, you know, why, why isn't it just like that? The reason it's not like that, the reason this gets personal and probably has to get personal is because Jesus makes very exclusive claims about himself and about life and about eternity. Okay, John 14, 6, here's what it says. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, get this, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, you see, that's a very exclusive statement, isn't it? He didn't say, he does not say, I am a way. Hey, I'm a, I'm a way, you know. You know, if you, if you want to come here, that'd be fine. If you want to go somewhere else, that's probably fine too. You know, just be sincere, be genuine. You know, he doesn't say, I'm one of many truths. He does not say that. He doesn't say, well, there's lots of truth out there. You pick your own truth. You, know, you decide what's true for you. Also, what's true for me. And here, here's the truth. You might think about it, you know. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I'm a life or I'm a way to live life. No, Jesus says, I'm the life. And he says this, he says, no one comes to the Father. No one gets to God. There's only one God. And there is no one anywhere at any time in any place who will ever get to God except through the person of Jesus Christ. Now, see, that's an exclusive thing. And so when you say that automatically, that has ramifications upon the people that you say it to. Okay. It, it's, it's almost the equivalent that, that if I were to get up here and I would say, you know what? You need to wear slacks at church. You need to wear slacks at church. Guys ought to wear slacks. Now, I don't believe that. In fact, if you'll notice, when I came here, I had a, I had a suit and tie. About six months later, I lost the suit. A few years later, I lost the tie. If I'm here long enough, I'm coming with my jammies. No, no. <laughs> No, no, no. But, but if, I, if I said, if I said, you know, I, I got, if I said, if I stood up here and said, hey, y'all wear slacks, all of a sudden, James, Fred, they're like, you know, they, you know, I mean, all of a sudden, you feel a little, you feel all awkward, don't you? Even if you don't agree with me, I've stood up here. If I sit up here on this rant and say, you gotta, you know, get wear slacks, you know, that's, that's the only way, you know, all of a sudden, there's a little hostility between us, isn't there? You know? Chris, what kind of guitar do you play? A fender. Chris plays a fender. If I get up and say, you know what? Fenders are junk. And if, if, you don't, if you don't play a... I'm trying to give another guitar. Right? If you don't play a Martin, if you don't play a Martin, or what is, what is Betty like? A Gibson. Okay, if you don't play a Gibson, then, you know, your guitar is junk. Now, if I say that, I mean, Chris and I may not agree, but we're probably not going to be friends. You know what I mean? He's going to be like, that guy's irritating, you know? I mean, it's not true. I mean, he says, you know, Fenders... You see what I'm saying? Anytime you make an exclusive claim. Now, let me take a little rabbit trail, okay? Here's a little rabbit trail. The rabbit trail is we got to be really careful as Christians that we don't put an obstacle, that we don't put a fence between people and the gospel based on things that aren't scriptural. You see, those examples that I just used, they're, they're probably silly at Lincoln Avenue. They're not silly other places. I grew up in a community where what you wore identified you as a Christian or not. In fact, whether or not you had facial hair. Identify. I mean, that, that's the community. I, I grew up in a Holy Midnight community. And all you guys that don't have beards, Donnie, you're out, brother. 
But you have a beard. You're not living for Jesus. What's the deal? Lynn, take away his razor. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's the kind of community I live in. You know, and here's the thing. We've got to be careful of that. There, there's going to be accountability for that. Because you know what you're doing then? See, you're... Because you're, you're, automatically there's hostility when you start saying stuff like that. You know, you've got to drive this kind of vehicle. You've got to do this for entertainment. You've got to dress like this. All of a sudden, there's, there's, there, there's obstacles put between... And here's, here's my thing. Those are not, those are not real obstacles. Because Jesus didn't... I don't think Jesus cares if you play a Gibson or a Fender or a Stradivarius or... Well, I don't know. He, he doesn't care, you know? Well, that's, that's not the issue of your soul, Okay? But there are things that, that he does care about. There are things that are true and false, okay? Whether you wear slacks or jeans, that's not in the Bible, okay? Here's what is in the Bible. Jesus is the only way to heaven. That's there, okay? Jesus says that that's true, okay? So we shouldn't say that other stuff. We should say this. And your life should make exclusive truths about the Bible. It should make exclusive claims about who Jesus is and about what truth is and about what life is. And see, when you do that, you automatically create hostility between you and the people that you're talking to who are not living according to Jesus' commands. I mean, nobody likes to be told what they're doing is wrong. And so, so whenever you proclaim with your life and with your words, there's only one way to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ. It's through grace. It's by grace. It's through faith. This is the truth about marriage. This is the truth about, about relationships. This is the truth about church. When you start saying those things and living those things and standing strong with those things, that's going to be offensive to people. It just is. It has to be. Okay? It has to be. Because, again, you can't, you can't say stuff like that authoritatively and it not put people on edge. It has to be. If you, if you live your life uh, with, with, with purity and you proclaim purity, you know what that's going to do? That's going to put you on edge with people who are not living that way. If you say things about marriage and you say things about sex and you th- say things about parenting that are from the Bible and that are, that, 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 that are Jesus' truth and you begin to hold those things and live those things and live that way, that puts people on edge because you're saying things about their life. Okay? Now, we should never, ever say those things pridefully. You know, here's where Christians get in trouble. We should never say those things arrogantly. We should never walk around with this air that we have it all figured out. You don't have anything figured out. It's by the grace of God that you stand, okay? Whatever truth you have, God has given that to you graciously. And so, so we humbly approach our world, but we approach our world with the truth. And the reality is that when you speak the truth with your life or with your words, it's going to set people on edge. It has to. It has to. I think of of the first murder in the Bible. You remember the story of Cain and Abel? You know, they both go to church and they both go to sacrifice. And Cain offers a sacrifice and Abel offers a sacrifice. And God accepts Abel and he doesn't accept Cain. Abel offers the appropriate sacrifice. Abel has a right relationship with God. Abel is living according to God's truth, and Cain's not. And, and you, you know what happens? He, Cain murders Abel. He goes in the field and murders him. Okay? Abel never did anything to Cain except live out the truth of God before him. 1 John chapter 3 is, is a really interesting commentary on that passage. It, it tells us exactly why he murdered him. Verse 12 says, We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. That's it. That, that's all. That's why he murdered him. Because Abel's deeds were righteous and Cain's weren't. And, and, and Abel living out his life in front of Cain 
Well, it was a constant irritation to Cain because it was a constant reminder that Cain's deeds were not righteous. Okay? And the Bible says there's going to be somewhat of a separation between you and the world. James 4, 4 says friendship with the world is enmity toward God. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17 says you can't love the world and love God. You can't, you can't live according to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life. Those things are passing away. They're of the world and you're not of the world. And, and here's one of the scariest verses, I think, in the Bible. Luke six twenty six says, woe to you. This is, this is part of the Beatitudes in, in the Gospel of Luke. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. Why would Jesus say that? And that bothers a guy like me. Some of you don't care. Some of you guys are tough and you're rough and, you know, you, 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 don't, you don't care. Man, I care, you know. I mean, I, it, when people don't like me, that bothers me, you know. And when they don't speak well of me, that bothers me. And, and, and here's what Jesus says. He says, you know what? If you're living according to the gospel, if you're living out the gospel in your community and to your neighborhood and to your world, there are going to be some people who just don't like you. And, and what they don't like is they don't like the gospel in you. Okay? And that's just going to happen. And, and we don't like for that to happen. It bothers us. It, it bothers me. I remember just, just not too long after I came here. Uh, we, we had some kind of children's ministry deal and there's a, a little boy and, and, and he, he, he expressed interest in Christ. He said, I want to be baptized pastor. And when, you know, can I be baptized? I was like, listen here, you know, here's what we do at Lincoln Avenue. We never do anything without talking to your folks, you know, cause, cause your mom and dad are the most special people in your life. And so, so we want to go talk to them. We want to see what they think about this. And we want to tell them what, what I've told you and what, what you're feeling in your heart. And so, so I'll come by your house. He's like, okay, pastor. And so I, I went there one, one afternoon. I didn't know his mom and dad. I'd, I'd never met them before. Uh, he was, I think he was coming on the bus and I went there and, and I knocked on the door and a uh, lady opened up the door. I'm assuming it was his mom. And I said, hi, you know, my name is Pastor Jason. And I think I'm a friendly guy, you know. I said, hi, my name is Pastor Jason. I'm from Lincoln Avenue Baptist. You know, that was it, man. You know, I remember walking away saying, what's wrong with me? Why don't you like me, you know? And, and it's not that she didn't like me. She didn't know me. She didn't like Jesus, you know, I mean, that's just a reality. She didn't like, and probably was living her life in a certain way and had certain convictions about life and had certain, certain ways of doing things and then beliefs about her life and her eternity. And they were over here and she knew, man, this guy's a preacher and he loves Jesus. His convictions are probably over here. I don't even want to talk to him. I mean, that's just a reality. It wasn't anything personal. It's just simply, she didn't want, she didn't want Jesus. And friends, what Jesus is saying here is that when you live out the gospel, that's going to happen. John Piper talks about that there's really only two responses when people see your life if it's lived out according to the gospel. Number one is, is the beginnings of conviction and the drawing of the Holy Spirit that leads people to salvation. That happens sometimes. That happened with me. Uh, I started hanging around with a guy named Scott Carlson. He started coming to wrestling practice. We, we'd wrestle. We'd spar together. He's really good. He wrestled in college. Uh, we played racquetball together. And man, the more I was around him, the, the more uncomfortable I became with my life and the more desirous I became of his life. And I saw the way he lived. I saw his convictions. I saw who he loved. I saw he loved God. He loved Jesus. He loved his wife. And I said, I want to be like that. And, and, and it drew me. His life exposed my depravity and my sin, and it led me to Christ, okay? And so, so on one hand, when, when, when your life goes out and when your words go out, that's, that may happen. Pray, we pray that happens. The only other really alternative is that people are repelled by it. 
People are like, you know what? I don't, I don't like what you stand for. And I don't like, I don't, I don't like what you say. And I don't believe, you know, you say Jesus is the only way. I think there's lots of ways. And you say you got to live for him. I, th- I don't think you have to. And, and so people are going to be split in one of those two ways. Okay. But here's the scary thing. Okay. Let me, let me tell you the scary thing. What if as you live out your life for the gospel, what if neither of those are happening? What if people see your life and they're just like, eh, big deal. What if they don't even know? What if they see your life? They don't. They've known you for years, and Jesus has never come up. Why? Why is that? Jesus told in Second Timothy that all who desire to live godly will suffer persecution. Paul said in First Thessalonians, "You're destined for this." You know, I, I think sometimes, I think sometimes here's what happens: our life does not say loudly and clearly enough the implications of the gospel. Remember when Jesus said, uh, if the salt loses its, its savor, its potency, it's no good, you know? If salt's not salty, then you don't know it's on your french fries, do you? And that happens with people's lives. Our life, our life doesn't say the gospel loudly enough. So, so Jesus is saying, look, your, your life should proclaim the gospel. And people are, people are not, all people are not going to be happy with the gospel. And some are going to oppose you. So here's the question. How are you going to handle that? How are you going to handle that? Well, Jesus says, <laughs> he says you're going to rejoice and be glad. When people persecute you, when they revile you, when they are, there are all kinds of things against you falsely, you're going to rejoice and be glad. How can we rejoice and be glad? Let me, let me, give, you, let me give you three different, different reasons why we should rejoice and be glad. Number one, we should rejoice and be glad because our sufferings are for Jesus. Okay? Whenever someone reviles you, if it's for Jesus, you ought to rejoice and be glad. Whenever someone speaks badly of you, and it's because of Jesus, you ought to rejoice and be glad because it's for Christ. You see, who it's for matters, doesn't it? I mean, that matters. You know, there's a lot of you that you, you, would, you would suffer greatly for your children. You know, you'll stay up four, five, six, seven nights all night long, you know, ministering to a sick child and you'll buy medicine and you'll miss work and, and you'll just be completely inconvenienced and you'll do it with joy to care for your child. But if someone at work says, hey, you know, would you take my, would you take 15 minutes of my shift tonight after you get off? You're like, what? You know, I'm not being inconvenienced for you. You know, why? It, it's, it's for some, it, it, what, made, what made the difference? The relationship, right? Well, listen, you've got a relationship if you're a Christian with Jesus Christ. And what does that relationship consist of? That relationship consists of that Jesus suffered greatly for you. He's the one who loved you so completely as to take all of your sin and all of your guilt and all of your baggage and all of your junk and, and to be tortured for you that you could be free of it. Jesus is the one who died on the cross and rose from the dead so that when you are joined to him, guess what, friends? You can can't die. I love that song we sing um, uh, before the throne of God above. I love the line in it that says, one with himself, I cannot die. That's true. I can't die. Now, I can die physically, but it's not really death. It's life. It's life eternal. It's life with Christ. And folks, what Jesus has done for us is more spectacular than anything we could imagine. He's the one who helps us today. He's the one who gives us strength to face the difficulties and struggles of life. He's the one who provides for and protects us. Will we not gladly suffer for him? Will we not stand in his honor? Will we not be inconvenienced for Christ? Because of all he's done for us and all he will do for us for all eternity, will we not say, Jesus, I rejoice to suffer for you, to be inconvenienced for you. 
Number two, we ought to rejoice and be glad because when we suffer for Christ, we're in good company. Look at verse 12. It says, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus, you ought to rejoice and be glad because when, when you suffer Christ, you're, you're, you're in league with the prophets. Okay? What does he mean by that? Well, Abel was killed by his brother. Isaiah was sawn in two. Jeremiah was thrown into a well. And John the Baptist was beheaded. And Paul was stoned and flogged and imprisoned. And Peter was crucified upside down. And James was killed by Herod with a sword. And Bonhoeffer was hung on a German gallows. And so here's the question. Do you think any of those guys were idiots? I mean, do you think they wasted their life? Did they do something dumb there? You know, would we look at them and say, man, boy, they really blew it. (laughs) I sure wish they'd have had some financial counseling. They'd have done a little better with their life. You know, I mean, is that what we believe? Do we believe that Peter is in heaven right now kicking himself, saying, man, if I had just kept my mouth shut, I could have really had a great fishing business, maybe opened up a little seaside restaurant along the Sea of Galilee, Peter's fish sticks, and I could have really made my mark. I mean, do we believe that he's up there saying that? We don't. We look at those guys and say, wow, if only my life could be a little bit like that. If only I could do something like that for Jesus. Well, if that's true, then when we have to, we have to suffer a little bit. When, when we live out the gospel and at the family reunion, Uncle Bob makes a joke about us. Is that really that bad? Should we really be humiliated over that? I remember when, when after I first got saved, I, I was afraid to go to town, you know, because I was afraid of what all my friends were going to think, and I knew word had gotten out. But, but I got invited to a Bible study, and man, these guys, these rascals, don't you hate when people push you? They push you. They push you spiritually, you know? I love to do that to people now, but I hated that when I first got saved. And, and so they, they're like, uh, they're like, yeah, let's meet, Pastor. We're going to meet up at the, at the high school at the, in the parking lot. I, Not the high school parking lot. That's where I used to go and live a very different life, you know. And now I'm going to go back there, you know. So I went. I mean, Emma convicted me. She's like, are you afraid? No, I'm not afraid. You know, so we went and, you know, and I you know, kind of just stayed in the car. And then, you know, I got in with some other folks and we went and we, we went to the convenience store and, and we got out of the car and there were a bunch of old guys come out just at that time. They didn't do anything bad to me. They just laughed at me. They just laughed. They kind of, I don't even know what they were saying, but they, they just all laughed. And I remember feeling a little bit humiliated. Why? Why? I guess because I wasn't a drunk anymore. I guess that's humiliating. I don't know. Why? What do we believe? You know what I believe? Peter, Paul, Bonhoeffer, Isaiah, Jeremiah. And I believe those guys are guys that got it right. They weren't guys that missed it. They got it right. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11 Verse 38 says that there are men and women of whom the world was not worthy. Number three, we ought to rejoice and be glad because whatever we lose is only temporary. Now, it, it is very true, my friends, that, that if you live your life for the gospel, you may very well lose. You may not get a promotion. You may not make the money that you might have made. You may lose your job. You may lose friendships. People like my wife have, have really lost lost pretty significantly in, 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 in relationships. When she became a Christian, it was a, it was a heavy thing in her life. Most of us probably didn't have that. Some of you, some of you are going to lose. You're going to lose out. 
certain things that you're going to lose. But here's the thing. Jesus makes it so clear. It is a temporary loss with an incredible gain. Okay? It's temporary, first of all. You know? I mean, that makes a difference, doesn't it? Temporary loss versus a permanent one. I mean, it's a lot of difference when you break your leg than when your leg gets severed, right? And when you break your leg, what do you, oh, I'm inconvenienced, six months in a cast. When your leg gets severed, it's not growing back. It's gone, okay? And, and in the same way, the loss that we experience by proclaiming the gospel is not a permanent loss. It's a temporary loss, and it, and it leads to an eternal gain. Look, look at what Jesus says in verse 12. He says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He says, Rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad. Why? Because your reward is great in heaven. You know, I, I don't think we, we get that. I think sometimes our treasure is all right here, you know? And, and the only thing we value is, is, well, do I have nice clothes? Do I have a nice house? Do I have a nice car? And Do I have a good job? And, I mean, that's our only value system. We don't just get that. It's not about this stuff. This world is passing away before we know it. In a blink of an eye, it's going to be gone. And all that will, will exist is what will exist for all eternity. And what Jesus is telling us is that is so much more valuable. And I think that's hard for us to get our heads around. And I I think most of us just don't have that big a grip on heaven. Heaven is not implanted in our hearts. And and verses like Psalm 16 and 11 have just captured my imagination about heaven. You know, some people, they talk about streets of gold and... You know, mansions and all that stuff. Man, that stuff didn't, just doesn't capture my attention. I guess. You know, I, I, don't, I don't even care about that stuff now so much. You know, I'm not a guy that looks at, you know, home and gardens and, boy, I wish my backyard looked like that. I just don't want to mow it, you know. I mean, I don't care about you know, but, but this captures me. This captures me. You make known to me your path of life in your presence. Listen, in, your, in the presence of Jesus. You know, if you've heard me preach a funeral, I love this verse at a funeral, okay? Especially of a believer. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now listen, that grips my soul, okay? Fullness of joy and pleasures forever, forever, forevermore. That's what's coming in the presence of Jesus Christ. Verses like Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, talk about just a world that is so different from the world that we live in. It says in in, in verse... uh, Three, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of, of God is with men, and he will, he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And then verse 4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither there shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Man, that's, that's the kingdom. That's the new heavens and the new earth and where Jesus will be and where God will be forever and ever. And the Bible tells us, Jesus is saying, look, when you suffer for me, when, when, when you are persecuted for me, great is your reward in that place. Okay? Now, I think it's hard for us to get our heads around heaven. I think it's even harder for us to get our heads around that what we do in this life is going to affect the riches in that life. And I, when by riches, I'm not talking about money in your pocket and i'm not talking about about cars and houses i'm talking about something much more significant than that i'm talking about your 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 satisfaction your joy your your glory in the presence of jesus christ and in your enjoyment of him and the bible is very clear that the way you live this life is going to affect your eternity in matthew 19 verse 29 it says and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sister or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. In Romans chapter 8, 
Verse 17, it says, If we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may be glorified with Him. Verse 18 says, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed in us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, For this momentary affliction, this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That's what we experience right now. You get put out a little bit and people talk about you or they say something or they leave you out or you're neglected or what. That slight momentary affliction. Listen to 1 Corinthians 3. This is the real clincher for me about rewards. In verse 12, it says, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hair, straw, you're, you're building today. Okay, I don't know if you knew that. If you're a believer, you're building today with your attitude, with your conversation with other believers, with your leadership in the kingdom, with your ministry, with the way you treat your family. You're building your foundation today. And here's what's going to happen. Verse 13, each one's work will be manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. God's going to test your work by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Verse 14, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. Very clearly, some people in heaven will be rewarded. Okay, again, I don't think the reward is, you know, a cash prize or some stupid thing like that. Heaven's not about that. I believe it's a capacity, a capacity to enjoy the glory of Jesus Christ. But some will be rewarded in verse 15. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved. Okay, so the guy's saved. He's in heaven, but he suffered loss. He suffered the loss of reward. And Jesus is telling us, whenever you're reviled for the gospel, whenever you're neglected for the gospel, whenever you're made fun of for the gospel, whenever you're persecuted for the gospel, man, you ought to rejoice. Why? Because great is your reward. Your reward is increasing in heaven. Your capacity for joy and pleasure for all eternity has just gone up. And that ought to put a smile on your face is what Jesus is saying. Let me skip to the end. Here's what P.G. Matthews says. All, all the world knows of the Christians who were flung to the lions or burned at the stake. But these were kindly deaths. Nero wrapped the Christians in pitch and set them alight and used them as living torches to light his gardens. He sewed them in skins of wild animals and set his hunting dogs upon them to tear them to death. They were tortured on the rack. They were scraped with pincers. Molten lead was poured hissing upon them. Red hot brass plates were affixed to the tenderest parts of their bodies. Eyes were torn out. Parts of their bodies were cut off and roasted before their eyes. Their hands and feet were burned while cold water was poured over them to enlighten the agony. Most of us don't know anything about that. We can be so petty, can't we? We get ticked off because somebody didn't say hi to us. That's shameful. What if we were alive in first century Rome? What do you think? What if you lived in communist China? What if you lived right now in Muslim Indonesia? What if, what if that was a reality? What if you'd seen that done to people who profess Christ? 
Let me ask you a question. Let me ask me a question. Would you still be here? Would you be here this morning? Would you teach a Sunday school class? Would you share the gospel with your friends? I mean, really, if that was at stake, we didn't have to sacrifice much to come here today, did we? Instead of getting eight hours or ten hours of sleep, you got eight. You're missing a little bit of the NASCAR race. That's about it. It's a little after 12 and you're hungry. Would, would, we, would we follow Jesus? Here's what I think. I, I think many of you would. I think you would. Because I think Jesus is in you. And I think you've seen a glimpse of his glory. And I think we know. We know. Man, he's better. He's better. He's better than all of that. And I, I think God would give us strength. I, I hope. But man, what, what, about, what about today? Are we living the gospel loudly enough that people get the message? One of the ways we know that we're living the gospel loudly enough that people get the message is that when some are irritated by it. Please, don't, don't be irritating on purpose. <laughs> don't be irritating because you're irritating, okay? Don't, that's, that's not, you know, I mean, don't, you know, don't not leave a tip and leave fake cash with the track, you know, you know. I like that as long as you leave a tip, <laughs> You know, but imagine you're a waitress that needs to pay her bills and and instead of a tip, you, you get a track. What was it? You know, I mean, don't don't be irritated on purpose. You know, that's all I'm saying is sometimes sometimes we're irritating on purpose. You know, we shouldn't be irritating. We should be really pleasant to be around. We should be meek and merciful and peacemakers and generous. But when it comes to the point. Do we hold back? Do we hold back and share the truth so that we won't offend? Please don't do that to people. Somebody was gracious enough to share the truth with you. You be gracious enough to share the truth with somebody else. Amen? No matter the cost. Because Jesus is better, right? Let's pray. My Father in heaven, I pray, God, that you would help us, Lord, to, God, to live out the gospel so loudly and so well. Lord Jesus, that people, people understand. People understand that we're saying Jesus is the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. Nobody gets to the Father except through him. God, help us to live that loudly. Father, I pray that, uh, that our life would speak. And Lord, when, whenever difficulty comes because of that, whenever struggles come because of that, God, I pray, I pray that, Lord, that we would, we would, re, we'd, we'd rejoice and be glad. God, that we wouldn't fall into self-pity, that we wouldn't fall into complaining or grumbling or feeling sorry for ourselves. God, help us to fall into to great joy, knowing that, God, you are the giver in our life. You always give more than we, we could ever sacrifice. Father, we believe that. In Jesus' name, amen.